That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Jake, here we are, one zero zero, episode one hundred. Which is your favorite? I think thirty-eight. You know, seventy-two was pretty good too. Yeah. Are you ready for all of the special guests? Yep, yep. Uh, we have them in the green room. Yeah. Mike Pence and Cardi B ready to come out just any moment. <laughs> and they're going to have a special conversation on sexuality. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Phil will be here to kind of be the facilitator. That's right. That's right. I think it's going to be very powerful. I'm actually. excited. I'm excited. No, just kidding. It is uh, because it's episode 100. It's just the two of us, AZ and uh, JS, because this is the same old song. And so we right. are going to... If it ain't to, broke, don't fix it. That's right. And we're good enough. <laughs> Gosh darn it. So, uh, but... I mean, yeah, barely, but it'll work. Anyway, how are you doing, Aaron? I'm doing all right. I'm having a good time. I always like talking to you, Jake. It yeah. brightens my day. Uh, and uh, we are, as you mentioned earlier, we're doing the hybrid. Uh, a lot of churches are where you're sort of having a lot of live stream or online content plus some limited in-person stuff and... Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a foot in both worlds, which That's is right. not exhausting or anxiety-producing at all. No. So I'm just too blessed to be stressed. I know. I saw that funny meme and said, um, I got a full eight hours of anxiety last night. And so, <laughs> you know, but if that is, uh, if that is you, because it's definitely me, uh, well, welcome to the same old song where we are going to share with you, uh, for you preachers, uh, the gospel in each of the texts for the upcoming lectionary. And so uh, we have... In the docket today uh, for the twentieth uh, Sunday after Pentecost, uh, is that right? Yeah. No, it's proper. Tw- you know, proper. the Episcopal Church. Let's ma- why make something simple when we can make it confusing? Yeah, that's right. It's uh, the sixteenth Sunday after Pentecost, proper twenty, on Anyways. September twentieth. So anyway, Tw- but, uh, well, yes, that's right. So, but uh, anyway, Exodus chapter sixteen, verses two through fifteen, is our reading from the Old Testament. And then we have uh, start a new epistle of St. Paul, Philippians, written from a jail. And uh, that's Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 30. And then we're going to culminate the whole thing with Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. Another exciting parable. And so we start off with Exodus. And uh, Exodus, Wait, I got to say, though. Yeah, go ahead. So this parable from Matthew 20 is one of the all-time greatest hits of Jesus's whole discography. It is amazing. And if you don't preach on it, preachers, you're missing out. Mm. So I sort of almost feel like, why talk about Exodus and Philippians? Because Matthew 20 is so amazing. But Exodus and Philippians are great too. So we're going to just cover it all. Mm. You do your work, preachers. But Matthew 20, it is the hot sauce. All right. (laughs) Digging in though. Exodus 20. No, Exodus 16. Manna from heaven. It's That's raining, right. not men, it's raining manna. So we got the Israelites in the desert. Yep. They've been freed from slavery 
through massive, miraculous displays of divine power. Couldn't argue with it. They all saw it with their own eyes. Delivered from the army of the world's greatest superpower through incredible acts of God. Mm-hmm. They are now in the desert. They've been They've out been there for a month. For a month. And are they're they hungry. Like, Thank you, Lord. Thank yeah. you, Lord. We're so glad you got us free. We're not under that unjust political oppression anymore. Nope. Nope. They want to go back. They're not the only just. Pots. They're not only just hungry. They're hangry. So there they and, are. Uh, yeah, and they want to go back to the flesh pots. And uh, you know, Aaron, tell us what a yes. flesh pot is. So I love it that it says this. You know, flesh pot is one of those things. Like you, you just think about people in the '40s when they would call ladies broads and dames, and like there was this term for. A, like a flesh pot got it was like a a woman of loose morals or something like that <laughs> so when you in church if you have gathered church and you your lector says the word flesh pot just look out in the congregation see who see who giggles <laughs> see who snickers at the term flesh pot but here it literally means flesh pot it means a pot of meat yeah. it's a crock pot and they want to go back to their crock pot that delicious roast slow cooking all day long that crock pot that didn't exist and, right. uh, you know, and uh, it, it didn't exist. If you recall from earlier chapters in the book of Exodus, when the Israelites were slaves, uh, they had to not only figure out their own food and, uh, and eat the scraps uh, if they had them, they had to get their own supplies to make the bricks. Uh, life was terrible in Egypt. What did they make bricks out of, Jake? Uh, straw and mud, and they had to provide their own straw and mud. And so it was awful. And then they were commanded to stop using straw which made it even harder. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was a horrible system. So there was no Crock-Pot. There was no air fryer. There was no Instapot. Yet they sort of think that there was. And uh, this is um, a lot of, This is what a lot of people can relate to. So this is yeah. actually, despite my comments at the top, this is imminently preachable. This is. In that we can all remember a time when... We sort of look fondly back at our past, but it probably wasn't as great as we think it was. We're resentful and angry about where God has put us now, but actually God is totally with us. So we tend to see the world completely wrong. Yeah, and therapists have a phrase for this. It's called cognitive repetition compulsion. And uh, this is something that happens within all of us. You know, for some of them, it's the return. Maybe you have a parishioner, the return to an abusive spouse. Uh, that you're just like, what the hell are you doing going back there? The person who's like sober for three years and then just all of a sudden throws it away again. You know, um, it is this kind of this, this it, and it comes out of a trauma. And that's one of the interesting things about the book of Exodus is that when you read this book, you begin to see like, I mean, the trauma is real. And uh, and a lot of the contours of this of this great book, I mean, they, they look like the United States in a lot of ways. And uh, there is this kind of desire to go back to the old way of doing things because that's where it was better. You remember when I was with Marty? He was amazing. Never mind he punched you in the face all the time. You know, like literally, yeah. this is what's going on here. And, um, and never mind the fact that they have seen, as you said earlier, the miraculous. The problem is, is that when you're operating out of a trauma, when you're operating out of trauma, you cannot see the present clearly, nor can you see the future clearly. The fact that you might be moving to a place where you could be loved, uh, the yeah. place where you might actually have a future. This is what's right. going on with Israel in this moment. Right. And I think, you know, there is a danger for us to, you know, in our national life right now to look 
backwards and think that there was a time when things in America were perfect. Um, and you got to ask, when was that? Was that uh, those t- those years that we didn't have indoor plumbing, or was that those years where we didn't have penicillin, or those years where uh, black people uh, couldn't vote uh, or get access to capital, or was it the years that women couldn't vote? And or we pushed um, in the indigenous people off their lands. You know, what I mean, like a- right. I mean, there's just there were many great times and great things, but. They were always side by side with difficult things, and we tend to ignore one and exalt the latter and or the other. And and so again, the the thing that we often do is we look at we're in a difficult circumstance presently, and we look back and we sort of put our hope and our salvation and our justification, our sense of self-worth, identity, goodness in the world, all that, we kind of look back to the past as something, you know, a lot of people, you know, politics aside, they look back to their years in college or when they were captain of the football team or whatever, high school or um, some other time in your life, and you sort of look longingly back at that, and you sort of miss the fact that even in your present suffering, God is present and able to help. And I think that's what's so powerful about this passage is that you have people that um, are essentially... Um, slapping God in the face. They're saying, if only we had, if only we had died, if only you had not rescued us, if only you had not saved us from slavery, um, and you've brought us out here to kill us, Mm. God, even though we saw you rescue us from the Egyptian army, you really were sneaky and you just wanted to kill us. I mean, it's crazy, like conspiracy theory kind of thinking. And, um, so now God doesn't do what a normal human might do, which is to say, well, fine, if that's how you feel about it, have it your way, like mm. die, uh, and I'm leaving. God says, instead, I'm going to give you this this bread from heaven, and yeah. not only just enough for each day, like you don't have to cook, you don't have to hunt, you don't have to gather, you don't have to make a fire, nothing. It's just going to, it's like DoorDash right there, mm. Uber Eats for you every day. And on the sixth day of the week, I'm going to give you two helpings, so you don't have to do any work, you can just lay in the hammock on the Sabbath. Right, so which is like a foreshadow of the Sabbath, because if you remember, they haven't they haven't received the law yet, but uh, partly in this moment, so it's not only a foreshadow of the Sabbath that is to come, that command, but it's also a reminder that they can trust God for every day, yeah. and He's going to, as our Lord would pray, give us this day our daily bread. And so you see this, this is part of the second paragraph. They're like told, you know, you're going to get this amount and it's just for a day. And uh, and then you're going to get all the quail you could possibly eat. Mm, boy. So, you know what's good about Texas? You can get uh, um, jalapenos stuffed with quail and Ooh. then wrapped in bacon Ooh. and grilled. Yeah. That's Come visit. Amazing. That sounds yeah, really good. Wonderful. I remember when yeah. I was a kid, quail hunting was a big thing. And uh, of course, I could never go. So because my dad didn't hunt. So I was like the only dude left out. Anyway, confessions. And Speaking of childhood tear. trauma. Yeah. So I'm working through it. And uh, as my therapist says, those things that happened to you when you were seven usually take till you're about 57 to work out. <laughs> That's so, right. Amen. But, uh, Amen. But so you see this and Moses tells Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near, draw near to the Lord, for He's heard your complaining. Uh, what? Like, uh, yeah. is something going to come down? And He's like, I've heard the complaining of the Israelites, and at twilight, guess what? I'm not going to eviscerate you. Uh, here, you have a God of grace. I'm going. You shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread, and then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. I'm the one who takes care of you. And indeed, this happens. They wake up and they have manna. What is it? This harkens everybody back to Genesis. You remember at the curse, 
uh, where um, uh, the curse says, by the sweat of your brow, you shall eat bread. And ever since then, people had been working for bread. And uh, But Israel, they've been brought up out of the sea onto the land, kind of a renewing of creation. And here God provides for his people what they need to eat every single day. And mm. amazing grace. However, if that's where you stop, you haven't preached the sermon. Um, you need to take this to Jesus. And uh, in John chapter 6, if you remember, Jesus is, he feeds the, he feeds the crowds with bread and uh, the 5,000 folks. And they're like, hey, man, give us some more of that bread. You know what I mean? You're, Maybe a nice challah loaf. Yeah, you're an all-around wonderful entertainer, Jesus. So uh, give us some more bread. And he's like, man, uh, that's not what I'm talking about. You're missing the point. And they're like, come on, Jesus. Moses fed us for 40 years. And he's like, at his most pastoral, you remember, he says they all ate the bread to their fill and they still died. And uh, yeah. I'm the bread of life. And this is where it needs to go, that Jesus, this points to Jesus, who is the bread from heaven. Um, and those who feed on him, though they, they die, they shall not die forever, but they shall live eternally. And he feeds and nourishes us complaining people by faith, Sunday after Sunday, when we can gather safely. And, uh, you know, as we uh, yep. kind of um, experience our journey in this exile through a wilderness until we see him face to face. Yeah, and I would say this passage, just to underline it again, is so preachable right now because everybody in your congregation is having this experience of life is hard now, they're complaining about it, and rightfully so, it is hard. Mm -hmm. And they're saying it was so much better in November, December, January, February, every before March, it was great. But you know what? You drank too much on Christmas Eve because you were super stressed out. You had insomnia all through the new year because you had some project at work that was like destroying your mental stability. Yeah, do you, you remember all those memes about how terrible 2019 was? I mean, it's like, yes. just go, yeah, I mean, every go year. to your Instagram so just, account and just scroll back to December and have a laugh. Yeah. So all that to say is you think it was good then. It, there were good things. But again, you you had as many issues then as you do now on some level. Just uh, we've kind of reframed it. So, so, so mention that and then say, look, the Israelites are the same thing. Uh, and God's response to their complaining was not to smack them down, but was to provide for them. And where is God providing for you now in real, significant, tangible ways and intangible ways? And then also, as Jake said, you point to Jesus Christ, who says he is the true bread that comes down from heaven. And the thing with manna is you would eat it and you would get hungry again. With Jesus, he fills the hungry and he says, you'll never hunger again. I'm with you always. So that, boys and girls friends, countrymen, listeners. That is a sermon outline for Exodus 16, if you want to do that. Mm. Now, Philippians. Flipping to Philippians. That's right. Yes. So, yeah, Philippi was a city that was named after this guy Philip. It was like a fancy Roman little colony that was built up. Uh, and uh, Paul went there, started a church. Philip of Macedonia, the father of Alexander the Great. That's right. Look at Jake went to seminary. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so Paul started a church there. Uh, and, um, you know, this was when Paul began to take the message of the gospel out of uh, what was kind of the Middle East and into what we now consider Europe. Mm -hmm. And so Philippi was one of the first kind of European churches. 
and uh, uh, and now we have um, him. We kind of skip his whole introduction to this letter. He gets straight to this his, thing about life and death. And he's writing, and and he gets straight to this thing because he's writing from jail. You know what yeah. I mean? This is uh, this is not uh, Saint Paul living his best life now. Um, however, uh, Saint Paul is confident not in the Platonic model of what he sees, but Saint Paul is confident in what he has heard, and uh, and what he has heard from from Christ Himself. And I love how it opens up to me living in Christ and dying is gain. And this is like a play on words. I don't know. You can check this out in any commentary. But Christos in the Greek rhymes with gain, kratos. So it's, you know, um, you have this play on words, but to, to, to living in Christ, dying is to gain, which means basically for Paul, the paradigm is no longer damned if you do, damned if you don't. It's blessed if you do, blessed if you don't, because Christ mm. is for you. And uh, this yeah. is what he's going to be conveying to this church from prison, you know, um, uh, I, I, yeah, I just, I mean, I think this, this is such, such a beautiful, beautiful letter of faith in what it is to, um, to trust God, um, by virtue yeah. of the gospel. And it has this very countercultural idea of suffering where he says, uh, God has graciously granted you the privilege, not only of believing in Christ, but of suffering for him mm. as well. Yeah. Since you're having the same struggle that you saw I had, but now and now here that I still have. So in the ancient world, it was sort of impossible in those early centuries of Christianity to become a Christian and have it benefit you in any way, mm -hmm. socially, economically, relationally. Um, it sort of was a ticket to mm -hmm. uh, being alone at the high school cafeteria. That's, and, that uh, is a good analogy. That's yeah, you were sitting at it, the lone table. Right, because it took you know, all social events were geared around worship of deities. Mm. Any sort of party, the meat would be sacrificed to an idol. Um, and if you were a, a Jewish person who'd become a Christian, uh, it absolutely takes you out of the synagogue, takes you out of um, temple worship, takes you out of all those things. Um, and because you're no longer following the dietary restrictions and you, you just can't. So. It's a major loss, major suffering if you become a Christian, which is so different in many ways from at least certain parts of our country today where it's socially advantageous to be a Christian. So this can be difficult to understand or to contextualize, but this idea that suffering in your life is is a way that actually connects us in, it's mysterious, but to Paul, it connects us to Christ. Um you suffer, he says, you're suffering for Christ. And so, and so this is a theme that will be repeated throughout it, um, throughout Paul's writing, throughout this letter. Um, and Paul seems to think that these things that cause hardship and thus destruction of his ego are actually really good things because they they unite him and connect him to Christ, the one who suffers, the one who's jailed unjustly, the one who's yeah. um, charged falsely, the one who is rejected by his family, the one who is mocked and, and killed. So um, churches, if they are, if they ever start to feel like a place where sufferers are not welcome, there's something that's amiss, mm -hmm. and and Paul is getting at that here. Yeah. Um. So yeah. And uh, you know, and so you have that first part. You know, blessed if you live, blessed if you die, uh, because his life belongs to another. And then mm -hmm. and then he goes, he tells the, you know, he talks about how uh, excited he is and to share abundantly in their boasting of their faith in the gospel. Basically, what they mean by that boasting in Christ Jesus when I come to you again is how much Christ has done for them. You know what I mean? 
uh, like that great kind of um, contemporary song that I love, let the weak say, I am strong in the name mm -hmm. of the Lord, you know? And so like, it's not about like, you know, we're really doing it and we're really do got a lot of devotion groups and our quiet times are killing it. It's like, no, like we're boasting in the fact of, that Jesus has died for us and he's risen for us and thank God. And so he goes, only live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. This is the moment where it's like, walk, walk. A lot of people now mm. turn this into like seven steps of how we can live our life, you know, worthy. How can we make the baby Jesus happy? And that should not be your sermon at all. You will miss. Keep your hair short, your yeah. beard long, tuck in your shirt, uh, you know, only listen to Christian music. Mm. Uh, make sure you get movies that have all the cuss words edited out. Yep. Don't, right? don't, That's what it means. Don't drink or chew or go with girls who do. Um, Keep your BMI low. <laughs> under 25. Right? These are the rules. These yeah. are the laws to yeah. look like you're having a good Christian yeah, life. worthy of the gospel, man. But Jake, what does it mean to live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ? It uh, means, um, once again, as St. Paul writes from jail, let me just yeah. say it, from jail, it means not trusting in a righteousness of your own, as he will go on to write, but in a righteousness that is given to you, you know, uh, from Jesus, a manner worthy of the gospel, that all that I have is because of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent and hear about you, I will know that you are, notice, we're not charging anywhere, we're not climbing some sort of magic ladder to touch God, we're just simply standing Standing in the atoning work of Jesus. This isn't about mm. what would Jesus do. This is about what has Jesus done. Um, and, uh, you know, striving side by side with one mind for the faith of the gospel. And then are in no way intimidated by your opponents because we know what the gospel actually is. And that takes the onus off of us and places it on Jesus. This oftentimes happens. I thought you were a Christian. You know what I mean? I thought, you know, like we had this issue here in the city um, with a pigeon lady. And they are all over. They typically tend to be like 70-plus-year-old um, women who never got married and never have children. And they throw like mounds of birdseed just everywhere. The lady literally told me one time, the pigeons are your children. So we, to like fight them <laughs> off, planted all of this cactus right where my wife's from Arizona. And we, we were like, we know how to get rid of the pigeons. And so, because basically <laughs> the seeds feed rats, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, but she like came at me. Yeah. Note to listeners, Jake doesn't hate wildlife yeah. or people that, you know, <laughs> want to take care of them, but rats are a bit of a problem. Well, when they burrow and then they get in your church, that's a real issue because those suckers yeah. are scary. And so yeah. anyway, we planted cactus. But anyway, so while we were planting the cactus and sweeping the bird seed, she was like, you know, I thought you were like, you guys aren't Christian. You hate wildlife and like went down this whole <laughs> diatribe. And you know what? Maybe she's right. I mean, well, I don't hate wildlife, but you know what I mean? There are all sorts of accusations you can throw at me. But you know what? When come to my opponents, we're not intimidated because I have no righteousness of my own. You are right. I am a sinner who needs saving. And this is what Paul is getting at here. This is where his hope is found in prison. And this is the hope he's trying to convey to the Philippians. Yeah. And this that's is God's note doing. That, that's right. <laughs> he has the, graciously <laughs> granted you the privilege of not only believing in Jesus, but suffering for him as well. God, not your best life now. Yeah. 
Well, and so opponents here are, uh, you know, Paul doesn't specify in this passage who they they're are. They're not necessarily um, pigeon ladies, but they could be. And they're, well, they're not necessarily idolatrous Roman yeah, people who right. hate Jesus. They very much could be and often were in Paul's letters and in his own interactions. Yeah. Yeah, they were, yeah, they were believers in Jesus who thought that they had something of their own to add to the salvation That's equation. Right. That's right. They were people who thought that, yes, Jesus saves you, but don't get crazy. Make sure you still, you know, don't eat these things and eat those things and make sure you make, still do this, that, and the other. You're still involved in that cause, you know. Huh. This is what, as you know, you and I know, is the heresy that has been condemned, but still it's like popular, for, it's, it's still popular after all these years, semi-Pelagianism, where it's that uh, God does his part, but you have to do your part as well. And so the reason people oppose the Philippians was because they were audacious enough to believe that the gospel alone saved, you. saved them, that Jesus's blood was actually sufficient and you didn't have to add anything else to it, that his death and resurrection was completely 100% efficacious, a full, perfect, sufficient sacrifice, oblation, and self-offering for the sins of the whole world. Woo! Boom. High five across the Zoom screen. So it's such good uh, news, these are though. the opponents. These Yes, because if it's not true, you're toast. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, you know, every good deed we do, there's a part of it that's patting ourselves on the back, so then it becomes about us, and so it becomes morally vacant and repugnant to the Word of God. So, all that to say, your opponents can sometimes be in the church. Your opponents can be you sometimes, mm. folks. You can bring heaps of self-judgment and sort of uh, that sort of guilt. Uh, often that comes from the devil, that accusation. Um Rest in the gospel. This is what Paul is saying. Stand firm Amen. in the gospel that Jesus has done it all. It's enough. Um, and es so, suficiente. Yeah. Uh, well, we, we've really, I mean, we got to get to the text that you want to preach on, Aaron. So, we got to get uh, the one that I said was so great. Matthew 20. <laughs> so this is the one about the landowner that hires guys early in the morning, like 6 a.m. He they, goes to the place under the overpass by the Home Depot and hires all these yeah. day laborers. They hang out. They come in, work uh, on the vineyard. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh no! And they're they're everywhere today too. If you live in the West, if you live out West, they, you're yeah. absolutely right. Like you see the day laborers. You know, you yep. go out and to Long Island, is. you go up to the Hudson Valley. They're like hanging out, waking, wait, work, waiting for farm work. North Carolina, California, Oregon, all over the place. So mm-hmm. uh, he goes out to hire these day laborers. 6 a.m. and then they start working for the daily wage. They're making minimum wage, just a standard thing. And then he goes out at nine o'clock. He goes out at noon. He goes at ultimately five o'clock. Can we? Um, can we just and, say? Yeah, go ahead. I, there is uh, two key lines that you have to understand in order to really grasp what you're about to hit on, and that is a landowner. So it's his land uh, to work in his vineyard. So this is the thing. It's not like nobody's got any ownership in this. This is his land and his vineyard. So I just got to say that because we tend to think that we have a we have some sort of say in this. So. Yeah. Okay. So back to Sorry. me explaining the story. Sorry, I got it's it. quite all right. Don't do it again. <laughs> you get one per episode. I know. The, all right. So. We made it a hundred. So. <laughs> And that's why there's no 101. There will never be one. That's right. uh, no, we will be back next week. Don't worry, folks. So he basically, he hires all these people. And then at the end of the day, when it's paycheck time, 
the people who uh, were there at the beginning of the day see the guys who were hired like right before quitting time. Like he brought them in at five o'clock and then at 5.01, the whistle blew. And so these guys watch those guys. They're going to like, oh, they're going to get pennies, but they get the full day's wage. So the guys that started at six o'clock are like, oh, sweet. Well, if those guys are getting a full day's wage, we're going to make bank today. Mm. We're going to and we're going to go uh, have some fun on Friday night. Going to have so- some Modelo's. So- <laughs> Woo! There's this thing here in Texas at our favorite restaurant. And I've, I've, if you listen to other Mockingbird podcasts, you know Sarah Condon. Sarah and Josh Condon uh, came to Waco one time. We went and had what's called a Corona Rita, which is where they take a gigantic margarita and they put a whole bottle of Corona upside down in the goblet of the margarita. It sounds terrible, but it looks terrible and it tastes amazing. But you can also get a Dos Equis Rita. There's no, you can add whatever. So, anyways. That's what these guys uh, are looking forward to. A headache and a chalice. So <laughs> that's right, the Dos Equis Arita. And uh, but the, so they see these early, these latecomers get the full wage, so they're expecting they're going to get a bonus check. But they get the same wage, and they are ticked. And they have they go to the landowner, all kind of uh, upset. And the the reason Jesus is telling this story is because Jesus has been giving away the store. Uh, he has done what Robert Ferrer Capen says. He's put mm. the closed for business sign on the religion store. Saint and Robert Ferrer Capen. Yep. He's been he's been give Jesus has been giving out divine goodies to people that don't deserve it. That's right. And so Jesus is telling the story to say, look, as you said, Jake, it's his vineyard. He owns the land, and he can be gracious to whoever he wants to be gracious to. And this is a, this story encapsulates the gospel and also shows why it's so offensive and why you and I, who preach grace and believe grace, we also kind of secretly hate grace because I, we don't like other people getting away with stuff. Here we are slaving away for the church, for the Lord. And I love right here, the very end, you hear how God speaks to humans, creatures who think they're gods. He goes, friend, because they're sinners, I'm doing you no wrong. <laughs> Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am gracious? I'm so generous. You know, this is it. People want to talk about a gracious God until it actually comes that the guy you hate is getting off (laughs) scot-free. Yeah. And this is why, and I'm going to talk about something. I don't like it. I don't want to talk about it. It's controversial. We'll lose listeners. Jerry Falwell Jr. So he got his big severance package, $10 click, million. Click, I just hung up. Yeah, that's right. You can hear them. You can hear people tuning out. So now, this is not defending what he did wrong. In fact, I'm upholding the fact that he did something horribly wrong, deeply hypocritical, patterns of toxicity and corruption for years. And people hate that when he got fired, he got $10 million, which I'm sure is what his contract said to do. Because um, we think mm. that good things should only go to good people. And we hate it when it's perceived that a good thing has gone to a bad person. When in actual fact, though you have not done what Jerry Falwell did exactly, you probably have a similar story. It just didn't get it on CBS News. Mm. And... Uh, maybe the only reason you haven't sinned as egregiously as he did is because you didn't have enough time or money or yachts to do so. But had you been given those toys and baubles and uh, uh, greenbacks, you would have been in the same place. Mm. So 
there's this kind of recognition in the gospel that there is no real substantive distinction among sinners. Uh, it's just how much time and money have you been given, and those that with more tend to sin more than those that are not. But there's no like heart level difference. Yeah. Um, and I, so the grace goes to all. Yeah. I mean, I've I always share this kind of analogy with the righteous. I always say, you know, I use a wall, and I say, you know. Uh, point to me where the uh, where the best person, the, the best person that you think should be, where would they be on the wall, like Mother Teresa? And they usually point to the top of the wall. And then I say, you know, where's the worst person, like Adolf Hitler? You know, and they always point to the bottom of the wall. And then I say, well, now where are you? And they point somewhere up close to your Mother Teresa every <laughs> time. And yep. I say, Jesus is the... I, I tip really generously at yeah, Starbucks. Yeah, I right. give that barista $3. But I always say to them, Jesus is the moon. That's where he yeah. is. And uh, and so, you know, we're all a little closer to Hitler than we'd like to think. There's a Jerry yes. Falwell Jr. in all of us. And um, But by the grace of God, go you. As I've said before, we're all three days away from headline news. And most of us are on day two. Yep, I'll see you in the National Enquirer. So that, that'll that do it, I think, for the uh, 16th Sunday after Pentecost, mm. Sunday, September 20th, the uh, day before the equinox. Uh, not that that matters. Uh, but uh, we pray for I'm you preachers. I'm not a pagan, that, I don't care. So. <laughs> that's right. That you will have uh, courage and joy as you preach this message to a word, to a congregation that is desperate for a word of um that is manna in the desert that is uh, grace to the sinner and um and uh help for the helpless amen amen well we'll see you back here next week for 101 people somebody's looking somebody cares somebody wonders what you're doing today you know we crucified him buried him but three days later well the stone got rolled away and yes, thanks for listening to same old song and we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life if you like what you heard we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on itunes dave's all will be sad if you don't we'd like to thank the narrativo group for audio production keep that bible by your bedside ready to rock and roll